you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. You know, you live in an unprecedented time. Wherever you're at, anywhere in the world, this is a period in human history like nothing before. You're living right now in the golden age of information. You have access to more information today than all other societies in human history. The entirety of human history put together, you have more access to information than all of them collectively. And the information that you have available to you, it's instant. Put something in a search block, in a search engine, and click search, and you have millions of responses. It's constant. It's right here. It's in your phone. It's with you every second of the day. Not only is it instant and it's constant, but it's also persistent. You're bombarded by facts Every day, all day long, you're swimming in an ocean of facts like I am. That's instant and constant and persistent. But it's not always accurate. In fact, sometimes what we hear is just plain wrong. And the more information that we're bombarded with, the harder it is to determine if what I hear is true or not. I'll give you an example of this told my wife this story. A couple of years ago, I got contacted by a private investigator. And they contacted me about a Facebook page. And they said, hey, are you the real Jeff Struker? Because there's a page on Facebook about you. And it's got your picture. It's got your name. And it's got your profile information. In fact, it has a lot of details about you. This picture and page on Facebook is based out of the country of Brazil. Is this picture and is this page you? And of course, I had to say to the private investigator, that's not me. But let me tell you what prompted this private investigator to call. Whoever created this fake profile about me started to have a romantic relationship online with a couple of women. Now listen to this, y'all. It got so deep and it got so intense that the person that ran this Facebook page proposed to a middle-aged Brazilian woman and she said yes. And then her friends started to say, wait a second, are you sure the guy that you're in love with, whoever is running this page, is really this person? And it prompted her to reach out to a private investigator, prompted the private investigator to reach out to me. Listen, I had a phone call with this woman after a few conversations with authorities, and I can't tell you how devastated she was to learn that the person that she'd been in a relationship with years online was not the real person. She called local authorities in Brazil. I called Facebook and criminal, uh, the criminal authorities here in the United States to try to shut this page down. But this lady's heart was crushed when she learned that the guy or the person on the other end of that profile was not really me. And you're bombarded with information all day long, every day. We don't just live in the golden age of information. We live in the golden age of disinformation. And sometimes what you hear just simply is a lie. 
And big lies are easy to spot from across the room. It's the little lies that are really hard to determine. And sometimes you don't see those little lies until it's months or years after the fact. Sometimes you bought into the little lies so much that you want to believe them that those little lies become heart crushing when you learn they're just not true. And so today... What I want to do with you for a few moments is I want to be able to convince you what you read in the Bible about Jesus is true. And maybe you've heard some myths out there, like the religions that teach he was nothing more than a good man, but that's all he was. Or he was a great prophet, but that's all that Jesus was. Or he was a really important man, the or one of a son of God, one of many sons of God. There are denominations and false religions out there that teach those things about Jesus. But what the Bible says is, no, this one's different. Jesus is different than all of those other good men, great prophets out there. He stands alone. So previously in the book of John, Jesus in John chapter 5 did a miracle, a pretty amazing miracle, and healed a man who had been lame for a long time. But he did it on the Sabbath. And because the religious leaders in Jesus' day had a lot of rules about what you can and can't do on this holy day, they believed that Jesus couldn't possibly be a really holy man or else he wouldn't do something like this miracle on their uh, and break their rules, do it on the Sabbath. And what I want to do with you for a few moments today, you can see it right here on the screens, is I want to give you three sources. Like if you were to fact check what you've heard about Jesus and make sure that what you heard is the truth, where would you go to fact check Jesus? Well, these religious leaders are going to bring Jesus against, uh, bring some legal charges against Jesus today in John chapter 5. And he's going to call a couple of witnesses to validate who he is. These are Jesus's way of saying, you don't, you're not sure who I am. You're not sure what you believe. Well, I'll tell you how you can fact check who I am and what you've heard about me. And Jesus is going to call three pretty important witnesses today. The first witness being the guy who Jesus claims is the greatest man to ever live, born of a woman, a guy by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is not just Jesus's cousin, but if you read the Bible carefully, John the Baptist is the person that God has prepared all of human history to announce the coming of the King of Kings. And John the Baptist has been on the scene for a while. John the Baptist has been shaking the trees and he has been uh, rocking the boat. And Jesus says, if you listen to John the Baptist, John the Baptist is actually pointing people to me. The story that we're going to read today from the Bible it begins in John chapter 5, starting in verse 31. And here's what the Bible says. When Jesus calls his first witness, when he calls John the Baptist to fact check that he really is the son of God. He said, if I testify about, my test, about myself, my testimony is not true. I want to pause for just a second because you need to understand legal proceedings in Jesus' day. There were very formal court proceedings, especially religious law proceedings, and then there were informal. But please don't get 
mistaken. Informal were very serious charges. In fact, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they could charge you with a crime in the city streets. They could pass judgment in the city streets. Listen to this. They could pick up stones in the city streets, and they could be your executioner right there on the spot. Well, in order to have a trial... Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15 says there has to be at least two people that are making charges against you and if you want to defend yourself you have to have at least two people that will stand up and defend you and Jesus is using Deuteronomy 19 language here if I testify about myself my testimony is not true because I know that that's the Old Testament says one person can't testify about themselves there is another who testifies about me. And I know that the testimony he gives about me is true. You sent messengers to John. This is John the Baptist, not the guy who writes this book, but John the Baptist. You sent messengers to John and he testified the truth. You can fact check who I am by just simply going to John. Now, I didn't receive human testimony, Jesus says, But I say these things so that you may be saved. John was a burning and shining lamp. And you were were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. I want you to notice on the screens, Jesus is defending himself. It's really a legal proceedings. I want you to think about it like a courtroom, except for this is happening in the city streets. But it's very serious because, again, they could pick up stones right here on the spot and they could pronounce him guilty of a capital crime and kill him on the spot. They do have the legal authority to do this. So the first witness that Jesus calls is John the Baptist. But notice, he cares deeply about these religious leaders who, if you were to read and listen last week, not only are they accusing Jesus of a crime, but they're actually persecuting him. And the only thing that he did wrong was do good to somebody on the Sabbath and break their man-made rules. So Jesus is saying, listen, I'm showing up and I'm doing what I'm doing so that you would believe, you would hear the words of John the Baptist, you would believe what he has to say about me, and you would be saved. That's really what I want that you would be saved because of the facts that you're hearing about me. And then he says, I want to remind you about something. You loved to listen to John the Baptist. Last sentence on the screens. You liked to rejoice in his burning, shining lamp. We use lights to give us sight in the darkness. We use uh, fire to give us heat when it's cold. And Jesus is saying, oh, you love the light and the heat that comes off of John the Baptist while he's with you. But now you want to criticize him because you're hearing something that you don't like because it's rubbing you the wrong way. And because it's rubbing you the wrong way, you're ignoring John the Baptist. Jesus is, re- Jesus is describing a bold witness. Go back and read about John the Baptist. He made a lot of enemies because John the Baptist didn't care what his neighbors thought about him. And he certainly didn't try to be the most respected guy in town. What John the Baptist was interested in is honoring the Father in heaven. And because that's what John the Baptist was focused on, he made a lot of people upset along the way. And I wish it wasn't like this in our day and age today. But unfortunately... By honoring God and by being faithful to him, you may make your neighbor angry with you. 
You may not be the most respected person in town. It shouldn't be that way, but that's just the way that it is. You may be treated exactly like they treated Jesus, exactly like they treated John the Baptist. If you're going to be very true about sin, about human nature, and about people's need for a Savior, it's going to rub some people the wrong way, and they're going to get angry with you for what they hear. Jesus calls the first witness, and he says, my first witness is not only my cousin, but he's the one that God prepared all of human history for, the one who is going to announce the king of kings has finally stepped foot on planet earth. John the Baptist was pointing people to me. Now get this, the next witness that Jesus calls, you can't miss how bold this was. In fact, let me tell you what I tried to do this week. I wanted to find a movie clip that would describe the next witness, but I just couldn't find it. So I was going to go to a courtroom here in our city, and I was going to film a video to give you a picture in your mind of what this would have looked like. I called the city, and I asked them, can I use your courtroom for a sermon a video? And they were like, no, you can't use our courtroom for that. Are you crazy? So I really don't have a great visual. I just need you to picture for a second that there's a trial, that Jesus is the accused, and he's got a bunch of guys that are making accusations. They're all these really smart religious leaders, and they're all pointing their finger at him. But imagine that the judge of the courtroom is the judge of the universe. It is God the Father. And Jesus says, let me tell you who my next witness is going to be. I'm going to call the judge to get up off of the bench and to come sit down in the box. And he will testify about me. you got to imagine how this sounds to those religious leaders when Jesus calls the next witness. And here's what he says next, starting in verse 36. He says, but I have a greater testimony than John the Baptist. I'll call the heavy hitter for you right now. Because of the works of the fa- because the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, these very works I am doing testify about me that the Father has sent me. We have more to say about this, but let me just pause for a second, and I want you to hear about the works. Jesus is referring to that miracle. Now, here's the insanity of this passage today. Nobody's arguing that Jesus just did a miracle and a guy was crippled for 38 years and now that crippled man can walk. Nobody's arguing that. What they're arguing is, Jesus, you did this on the Sabbath and the Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest and you had the audacity to tell the guy who was crippled to take up his mat and walk. And we have said, notice, Human uh, words, not God's words. We have said that carrying your mat on the Sabbath is work, and he violated our law. How dare you violate our law? Well, Jesus says, how how could you miss the miracle? Look, the miracle itself does two things. The miracle proves that God is working through me because when a miracle happens, only God can get the credit for it. Like We throw that word out around a lot, you know? But the miracles that Jesus is describing, you can't explain this away in a science book. There's nothing you could do in a laboratory to replicate this. The miracle itself says that God has given his power and put it at work through me. But the miracle also says, and Jesus is making it as plain as you can possibly be here. It says 
that God the Father, the judge of the universe, has sent me to you. How could you miss this because of the miracle? And then look at what he says next. He says, the Father who sent me has testified, has himself testified about me. You have not heard his voice at any time, and you haven't seen his form. You don't have his word residing in you because you don't believe the one, he's talking about himself, you don't believe the one he sent. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. But you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. Do you see Jesus begging them to listen to reason? Think about what you just saw with your own eyes. A crippled man is now walking, and you can't get over your man-made rules long enough to realize maybe I am the Son of God. This whole trial is about Jesus' claim to be the Son of God. And Jesus does this great miracle, and now a man who has been crippled for 38 years is walking in their midst, and Jesus is saying, how could you miss the miracle? Because you're so hung up on your rules. How could you miss it? He says, the Father himself testifies about me. The scriptures testify about me. All of this is just to convince you that I really am the one sent from God. How could you miss it? You know the reason why I couldn't find a movie clip? Because you won't find an example anywhere where the judge gets off of the bench and becomes a witness in his own courtroom and actually will become or will take on the sentence of the crime, will take on my sentence and your sentence, and the one who created life will give up his life so that you and I could have eternal life. Jesus is saying, how could you miss it? Because it's right in front of your face and you can't see it. And I'm, he's trying to describe that he really is the son of God. Paul Tripp, the pastor and the author, he reminds us something about God. And I think it's a good time at this point in the sermon to remember something. God knows everything. Now, I need to make sure you heard what I said. He knows everything that happened before time began. He knows everything that happens throughout human history, and he knows everything that will happen long after time ceases to exist. God is the only one who is absolutely and totally true at all times. And I want to add to Tripp's language that God would cease to be God if he would say something that isn't true. Now, I'm not saying that he would no longer be a God worthy of worship. But what Jesus is saying is, if my father could tell a lie, he's not only not worthy of your worship anymore, but if the God that we worship could tell a lie, then he is worse than a false God. He's actually a demon trying to deceive you. In just a week, we're going to start talking real seriously about angels and demons. You have a chance to ask anything that you want. But let me tell you what Jesus says about truth. A few chapters later in this book, John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the truth. The truth is not a concept. I don't have the truth. I am the truth. The truth is a person. And when you know me, you now have the truth in every situation in your life, which means if you're struggling with disease, 
or difficulty and the circumstances look bleak until you've consulted the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ, you really don't have the whole picture. And Jesus calls as his second witness his Father in heaven, who Philippians says has honored the Son by giving him the name that's above every other name. Now look, up to this point, Jesus is kind of on the defensive, right? He's declaring who he is, and he's answering their objections. But now Jesus is going to go from the defense to the offense. He is going to go from being accused to being accuser, and he's going to use their own law, and he's going to throw it in their face when he calls the third and the final witness here, when he calls Moses the lawgiver. as a witness, because they're going to use the law of Moses. In fact, what they're doing is interpreting the law that God gave Moses, and they're saying, God said we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but we don't really know what that means. So we tell you, you can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. You can't answer emails on the Sabbath. Don't you dare get up and work in the yard on the Sabbath. That's what these religious leaders were doing. And Jesus says, oh, you love Moses and you love his law so much. Let me call him as my third and final witness. And he's not going to just speak on my behalf, but his law will condemn you for not believing the one that's standing right in front of you. Listen to how John chapter five ends this legal case against Jesus when he claims to be the son of God. He said, I do not accept glory from people, but I know you that you have no love for God within you. I don't accept people's glory because I don't have to. My glory comes from the Father who looks down from heaven and literally says with an audible voice, this is my boy. I am pleased. I'm proud of him. You should listen to him. I don't accept glory from people because, or, but I know you that you have no love for God within you. I have come in my Father's name. And yet you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, you would accept him. But because I claim to be the son of God, you want nothing to do it. Okay, let's talk about your law and your lawgiver. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but don't seek glory that comes only from God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the father. See how he goes on the offensive right now? Your accuser will be Moses, on whom you have set your hope. You believed that by interpreting Moses' law and telling people, you you can't carry your mat, you can't walk this distance on the Sabbath. You think that you're doing Moses a favor? You think that you're helping God out? Well, I'm going to call God the Father and even Moses the lawgiver to defend me. Your accuser is Moses on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But you don't believe what he wrote. How will you believe my words? If you were to go read Matthew chapter 11 today, Jesus describes this verse. He says that all of the Bible From Moses who wrote the first five books to the great prophets to the prophet like John the Baptist, all of the Bible, Matthew chapter 11, is written about me. It's written to describe me to people 
who aren't sure what they believe about me, who are trying to fact check me. And Jesus says, I'll just call the fi- as my final witness, I'll call Moses the lawgiver, the one that you're trusting in because you think you're doing Moses a favor, maybe even doing God a favor by preserving or protecting Moses's law. Do you guys know that in a courtroom, when somebody calls a witness, they're actually calling a person to stand up and to testify that what they've seen or what they've heard is the truth. That witness in a courtroom is really trying to convince a jury or to convince the judge that one side is telling the truth, the other side is using the exact same facts, but they're trying to deceive. So the witness shows up in the courtroom to say, here's what really happened, judge. Hey, jury, I was there, I saw it with my own eyes, Let me tell you what really happened. And the witness is supposed to testify to the truth. Do you know the Bible uses the word witness a lot? And when it talks about me and you, followers of Jesus Christ, it calls us a witness. And it says, hey, your job as a Christian is to just go testify to the truth, to go tell your neighbor or to go tell your friend, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you what Jesus can do. And I'm speaking from personal experience because he did it for me. And because he did it for me, he can do it for you too. These three witnesses that Jesus is calling, he calls the three heavy hitters in human history. John the Baptist, who Jesus says, there's no man born of a woman like John the Baptist. God the Father And if you want to talk about the law, I'll just call the lawgiver himself, Moses the lawgiver, and they will all declare to you that I am the son of God, that I can save you, that I can change you, that I and I alone can give you life. Each week our church challenges people. Don't just hear the Bible. Let it go in one ear and out the other and forget about it. Would you put what you heard into practice? We call those things next steps. And today I have a couple of next steps on the screen for you. The first next step is somebody who's in this room or maybe you're at home right now and you have never been radically, totally changed by Jesus Christ. You've never got to the point last week's sermon where you realize I can do nothing of any spiritual good. So God, if something's going to happen in my life, you're going to have to do it in me first and then through me second. And maybe today what you realize for the first time is, Jesus, I need you to change me. I need you to save me, just like you offered to save and to change those guys that were persecuting you in the Bible today. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you in just a second. I'm going to pray that God would do a miracle in your soul. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, the second thing on the screen is for you. If you're dealing with difficulties, if you've got some struggles that you're going through right now, I don't want you to just look at circumstances and say that's all that there is. Because if Jesus really is powerful enough to heal a man who's been crippled for 38 years, he is also powerful enough that he can work in your situation as well. And you really haven't followed the truth until you've turned to him and really turned your circumstances over to him this week. So that's my challenge for me. It's my challenge for Christians. Why don't you bow your head and why don't you let me just pray for us right now? And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now, why don't you respond to what you've heard from John chapter 5?
Father, we have heard Jesus' testimony about himself, but he called in you and John the Baptist and Moses as witnesses and said, I'll prove to you that I really am the son of God, that I love you, that I long to have a relationship with you, that I am willing to go to the extent of dying on the cross just to purchase you back from your sin, just to clean you up, just so that you can be in a relationship with me, so that you can be called a son or a daughter of God. And maybe somebody is watching this service right now from a car or a hotel room. Maybe they're in this room and they've never really been radically, totally changed. God, it is my prayer that right now your spirit would reach down from heaven and do a miracle in their soul. A miracle of taking a dead soul and making it alive for the first time. And all they need to do is just simply cry out a prayer of faith, believing in these words. When they say, God, I am a sinner and I can't do anything good on my own. I can't be good enough to get into heaven or to earn your forgiveness or to wash away my sin. So right now I come to you, Father, and I'm uh, a sinner in need of forgiveness. I'm asking you, would you clean me up? Would you change me? Would you turn me into a new person? Would you do a miracle of rebirth and make me born again right now for the first time? And Father, I believe that if you hear that prayer from heaven, if it's real, if it comes from a sincere heart, that you will honor it and you will change somebody. Father, for the brothers and sisters of this church that are all over this community, around the country and around the world, that are struggling, that are going through difficulties, Father, would you help them to remember what I see and the circumstances that are around me. That's not the whole picture. It may be urgent, it may be overwhelming, but it's not the whole picture. No, the truth is that Jesus Christ, my King, He is truth personified. And God, I'm not going to just simply give in to my circumstances. I'm not going to turn things over and I'm not going to throw in the towel just because I'm overwhelmed by what I'm facing because I believe that you are at work in my circumstances even when I don't see it. I believe that you love me. I believe that you've got me in the palm of your hand. I believe that you will be with me even when people accuse me or persecute me like they did your son, Jesus. So right now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you minister to your people as well. And God, the Father, I'm praying that you would be glorified by the way that your people radically, totally trust you. Jesus, would you help us to witness about you this week. In fact, I'm going to give people some very simple ways to do that in this video at the end of the service. God, would you have your way right now? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.